0: So with that, we're going to have the kids in, uh, head out to Blast in the back, and Blast workers today are going to head out, and the rest of us are going to hang out and continue in worship. I hope that you grabbed um, a pen, and I hope that you grabbed one of these cards this morning. And by the way, can I throw a little plug in for something else that I hope that you bring on a normal basis? I hope that you bring your Bible. I hope that you have a Bible and I was really, I don't know why this week I was thinking about this, but I thought, you know, I wonder if every person that comes to a family Bible church has a Bible of their own, you know? I don't know if you were like, uh, raised like I was where, you know, whenever um, we, we were raised, I was raised in a mobile home, a, a, a trailer, which is nice, you know? And uh, it was small, but I remember well, the biggest thing in my house when I was a kid, the, the, the biggest space-wise, you know, it's a trailer, it's a single-wide, it wasn't like these double things they have now, the right? We had this Bible that we kept on the coffee table. It was huge. You had one of those in your house? It was huge. It was like had gold on it, had some strings hanging out the bottom of it. You know, you can probably see what's happening here. But right here, on, and it wasn't even, this is see, this is my portable Bible. This is the one that, because this is how I roll. I want to take it with me. But, but the one in my house, it was so big that, that you weren't allowed to move it off the coffee table. I think, I don't know if it was, I don't know if the only surface in the trailer would hold it up or what. Uh, and then right in the middle of the front of the Bible was this picture of Jesus. You know the picture of Jesus I'm talking about? The blonde hair, the blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus. The one that looked a lot like, you know, I don't know what he looked like. If you put a a tie-dye band on, he looked like a hippie. Or I don't know what he would look like. But he was just, but here's the difference. Because that was cool that when I was raised in my house, there was a Bible on the coffee table. I guess that was cool. But I'll tell you what I remember. You you really, and this wasn't, you know, my my mom was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But she she just didn't mess with the Bible. Oh, that, it's special. And, and, uh, and we never opened that Bible. And even when you did, it was kind of odd. Once in a while we opened it, it was just kind of odd. It was just not very, I don't know, accessible. <laughs> but we never opened Bibles in our house. I don't know if it was there in case Jesus showed up at our house. He'd be like, oh, look, you got my book on your table. Good. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's what it was. I hope that you have a Bible. And I hope your Bible isn't one that just sits there for the neighbors to come over and see. I hope it's one that you're wearing out. You know what I mean? I really do. I hope it's one that you're, you're getting, to get, I hope you're in by yourself, reading the word of God. I hope that you're getting together with small groups of people, whether or not they're from Family Bible Church, and you're opening the word of God, and you're listening to what it has to say. And I don't know if that's true for you. If it's not true for you, if you don't have a Bible, and for heaven's sakes, if it's because you can't afford a Bible, come talk to me because we'll get you a Bible. We'll get you one of those really nice ones that you really want, you know, the one that will make you feel like you fit in at the Bible study, not, not the one that makes you feel like you don't have a Bible at the Bible study. So come talk to me, because so I, I think that there's nothing more important than engaging this conversation uh, that God's been having with his people. So for what it's worth, I don't know why I got out in my heart this morning to share that as we kind of began, but if you, if you don't have a Bible, and if you do have a Bible, I hope it's a portable one that you can bring with you places. If it's too big to carry into a room, if it's too big to carry out to a barbecue, it's probably too big. That's my motto. I have some big ones. I leave them at home. This is the one I use. So um, anyway, chat with me if you don't have a Bible. I'd love, I'd love uh, to get you one. All right. So we're going to get into the Word this morning and uh, continue on in our, in our new series. It's called Neighbored, um, stepping outside of ourselves or living our lives from the inside out, kind of uh, this transformation that uh, the gospel of Jesus compels us towards to stop being self-centered and start being, you know, uh, about what he's doing in the world, about the, the work that he's doing. And um, so as we, as we um, get into the Word, I'm going to ask us we'd stop one more time and pray that we would be intentional about listening to what God has to say to us today. So pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, this book that we've encountered you through is more than just another book. I pray that it's more than just another book on our shelf. I pray that it's something that when we come to it, we listen for the voice of God in it, that we listen for you to speak to us I pray, Father God, that we'd have the boldness and the courage to read things that we don't understand and then to listen and wait upon you to give us understanding. I pray that we'd have the courage to get in a small group together and we open your word, admit to one another, I don't know how to do that yet. And we pray for your spirit to empower us to fulfill the word written. I pray, Father God, that today, as if no other time in our life, today we would come here and have open hearts and open minds and, and just ears that could hear and eyes that could see the profound love that Jesus has poured out for us. And even though in that there's mystery for us, we know enough to receive it. And we thank you for that. So today, Father God, we pray that you're uh, the promised Holy Spirit that Jesus was sending at His ascension is here with us today. We know He is. We pray, be listening to Him and not ourselves. Pray that You would empower Your Word to change lives today. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name, Amen. And so, so, so last week we kind of talked about um, the, kind of the general idea of getting beyond yourself. You know, getting beyond yourself. And um, and this week we're talking about maybe see, seeing some things for the first time. Um, I don't know how things are for you, you know, things have been getting tighter and tighter financially for, for everyone, and uh, lots of new technology and stuff coming out, and Chris and I had this brilliant idea, um, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but we, we were, uh, you know, we had some services that, we were u- that were getting more expensive all the time, and we just got to where we couldn't justify it in our budget. We have a budget. Praise God for our budget, you know, and so we couldn't justify so we decided to go ahead and be radical, and get rid of the service and it was a television service that we were paying for and so we just turned it off seemed like a great idea it was like we were like on the huddle like yes we're gonna do this yes we're gonna do this we talked to the kids everybody yes we're gonna do this yes we're gonna do this and then we went and we unplugged and it wasn't like four hours after the dude left and everyone's like what are we doing (laughs) You know, and so being a a good husband and father, I let it drag on for about two weeks before I did anything about it, you know. And I'm telling you this story because here's what's amazing, you see. Um, uh, I had heard that there was this stuff happening for free in the air. That, that I had heard that our government had done some things with the broadcast stations, and it had been so long since I listened, watched any broadcast anything, but apparently they did some rebanding stuff, and they compressed things into digital format, and it's all this fancy technology, you know, and we actually have one of those really fancy TVs, you know, uh, and so they're supposed to be able to to listen and hear something that's there, and it's supposed to be amazing, and it's, it's, it's like this, uh, what is it called? It's like digital broadcasting so here's what's funny we, we've had this TV for a while and and we've uh but we've never had to try to figure this out how to how to how to see it how it works never had to use it so we started hooking things up to our TV to see if we could see it and we couldn't and we're in Highland right it's like you know 30 minutes in the nearest tower apparently I mean you gotta use compasses to figure this stuff out. I started looking into it I'm like oh my goodness we're never gonna get this figured out um Chris, of course, is just real quick. She's, you know, she's like, uh, we're just going to go out there and find something and buy something. You know, And I'm like, I thought we did this to save money. We're not going to buy something you know, if we're having this conversation. <laughs> and so here's what happened. I'm sure some of you had the same experience as I have. Because this is old news for you guys who already went through this transition. But we, this is all new to us. I went out and I found these instructions on how to build this really magic antenna that will see these magic signals. And I, and, and I remember when I was putting it together the whole time, thinking, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And even though everybody said it works, it's not going to work. And I, and I got it. And they, if you want to come to my house, you, Chris would be embarrassed if I showed it to you because it's, it's like on this, uh, it's on a leftover board from our basement remodel, as a matter of fact. You know, it's like one of those green, ugly boards uh, that's like treated, pressure treated. And, and, it's, and it's got these like things everywhere on it. And it's got these wires. You know, it looks like a science experiment gone wrong. You know, looks like a fourth-grade science experiment gone wrong, because <laughs> I did it. You know, and I remember I was so excited when I finally got it finished that it was like and you know I'm a night owl, so it was like eleven thirty at night, and I just alive, you know, and I was in the basement doing it. So I come upstairs. Thinking Chris isn't asleep now. You'll know she's an early sleep, you know early riser early to bed And so she's been well asleep and I sneak in trying to do this in the dark because I'm gonna see if it works I wake her up of course. What are you doing? I said it's finished Behold the glory (laughs) So he hooked it up and I'm and then we had done repeatedly tried this tried that hooked up different devices and stuff and nothing would get any it couldn't any picture we kept saying no signal and we were told there was a signal, but it kept saying no signal on our really expensive TV thing. And, and um, I hooked it up and turned on the scan, and all of a sudden they started clicking, click, 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 click. It took a while to do it. It got done, and we had like 14 digital channels. <laughs> What's really funny is, I guess Chris was more tired than I thought, because the next day she got up and she goes, that thing is ugly. I'm like, yeah, but It works. You know, and it was free. That's what I told her, you know. But listen, what's so funny is that there's truth that there's some things out there that you can't see all the time. And you hear some, you know, someone telling you, well, you know, if you just do these things, you'll be able to see it. And you go, that's not going to work. This is like some kind of a legend or a myth. That's not real. But today I want to talk to you about the reality of seeing what God is doing all around us. And, and our job, I mean, my job, first and foremost, as a believer in Jesus, is to be seeing what God is doing all around me all the time. I hope it's true for you too. Because it's not because I'm a pastor, that's my job. That's my job as just a believer in Jesus, is to have eyes to see the work that God is doing around us. And, uh, and so I hope if nothing else, you'll just walk with me today through the potential the potential to be able to see something for the first time, just the possibility that God is who he says he is, and he's doing what he says he is doing. So I want to start this week uh, where we left off last week, and we're going to jump in. Um, If you brought a Bible, grab yours. If you didn't, grab one on the end of the chairs next to you. Um, And we're going to read where we left off last week from the book of Isaiah. Now, you remember last week we talked about the idea of getting beyond ourselves, and we said that God uses the willing. You know, he uses those that will say, I'll go. And so today we're going to start with this passage where we, we left off just reading it because I want to hear the rest of what God told this willing servant. So as you're turning, I'm going to start reading. It's, I'm, it's in chapter 6, verse 8, by the way. It's on the screen. Chapter 6, verse 8 through 13. I'm just going to read this today. This is Isaiah, the author of speaking. He says, uh, the prophet, then he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And here's Isaiah, and he says, here I am, send me. And this is what God said to Isaiah. Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. "'Otherwise they might see with their eyes "'and hear with their ears, "'understand with their hearts, "'and return to me and be healed.' "'So Isaiah asked God the question, "'How long shall I do this, Lord?' "'And he answered, "'Until cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, "'until the houses are left deserted "'and the fields ruined and ravaged, "'until the Lord has sent everyone far away "'and the land is completely forsaken.' And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. But as, te- I'll, I'll, but as the terebinth and the oak leaves stumps when they're cut down, so the holy sea will be a stump in my land. And, and I, I want to just remember in Isaiah that we have this guy who had seen the glory of God in the temple, and he was terrified, and he remembered that he was impure, unclean, and he had this experience where God purified him, and after the purification, God is saying, who are we going to send? And Isaiah says, send me. And then this message that he gets, and if you don't have a problem with this, I'm not sure I can relate to that, because I read this, and I think, what are you saying, God? Because God says, go and tell these people, always be looking, but you're never going to see it. And always be listening, but you're never going to hear it. I'm thinking, what kind of a message is that to send people? And it's amazing because when you look at the end, he says, otherwise, if they could see with their eyes and hear with their ears, they would, and understand with their hearts, they would turn, right, and be healed. If they could only see with their eyes and hear with their ears, they would return to me and be healed of their infirmity. That's a profound thing. And I'm thinking, God, why don't you want that? Why don't don't you want Isaiah out there saying, listen, look, behold the glory of God. And God's instructions are to preach even though they won't understand you. To proclaim even though they won't embrace truth. And then he says, go on and do that, go on and do that. Until everything's laid to waste, that's a long time. That's a long time. And you know what's funny is is, is uh, so here we have Isaiah who has seen the glory of God, and he's sent on a mission to proclaim the glory of God. But God's saying, "But when you do that, people are going to be hard-hearted and blind." Here's the first thing we want to talk about: is that God enables us to see. God enables us to see. Um, he says, you know, he says, who is going to sin? And Isaiah had this, this, he had gotten a glimpse, but, but it's only by the grace of God that he could see anything at all. It was nothing he did of his own right. It was nothing he finally figured out. It was nothing that he finally got the combination right. It was that God intervened and gave him the ability to see. I'll tell you what's interesting about this passage in Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet, and we said that before, right? This passage is referred to multiple times by Jesus himself. And you know what he does? Jesus teaches parables. And parables are beautiful. They're stories about life. And inside the story, though, is a truth about who God is or what his kingdom is like. And he would say that. He would say, the kingdom of God is like this. It was something very ordinary. And the people, the big crowds of people would hear Jesus and go, oh, cool, a mustard seed. Got it. And they would walk away. But they would miss the point. And you know how we know this? Because the Gospels record that after the people would be satisfied with a parable, the disciples would go, what did that really mean though, Lord? Why do you teach in parables? And Jesus would say, because even though they have eyes to see, they can't see. And ears to hear, but they can't hear. Jesus said something else interesting. He would say, He would give a teaching and at the end he would say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That means he's proclaiming the kingdom to those who have been, it's been revealed to by God. He never backs away from that. That If if God has shown you his purpose, then listen to his message. This is why the word of God is so profound because not only is it able to bring a sinner to repentance if you engage the word honestly, but as a believer, if you engage it honestly, the word of God is going to transform your life. Because you've seen the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You know the gospel that is saving you. Actually, the really scary thing is that um, at one point Jesus is engaging some Pharisees and they say, they say, what, are we blind? The Pharisees? And he goes, oh no, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty of your sin. But as it stands, you claim to see. So now your sin is on you. There's this reality that if God's opened our eyes to see his kingdom, but we are closing our minds to his truth or his plan or his purpose for our lives, that's, that's a, a scary place to live your life. I'll just say that. God empowers us to see and to hear uh, the gospel and, and to see the kingdom work. I have some passages, by the way, if you want to check that out later, you don't have, we don't have time now, but when he taught these parables in, in Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter 13, and Luke chapter eight, I'll do those it again. That's Mark four, Matthew thirteen, and Luke eight. Jesus exactly references Isaiah's prophecy here about the people and the gospel, and uh, and and God empowers us to see and to to uh, um, be part of His kingdom work. So it's God's God's work. Now here's why I want to I want to jump into uh, the New Testament, um, and we're gonna, we're going to go to the book of Mark and talk about this. How this really looks in the ministry of Jesus it's Mark 10 46 through 52 and it's the story of Jesus healing now we talked already about what Isaiah said if they would turn to me they'd be healed they could see you know and this is by the way without there's no like disqualifiers here there's no people that if they would not turn to God would not be able to see his glory there's they don't exist there's no category of people that is excluded from that. I say that for, like, the young folks, because I've had some young folks say to me before, like, I'm just too young to understand this stuff. No, you're not. I mean, that's, like, the lamest excuse ever, you know? And, and I've heard some old folks say, I've heard all this before. No, you haven't. I mean, if your life has been transformed by the gospel, you haven't heard it all before, you know? I mean, so there's really no, no easy way out here. But so I want you to hear today um, how this manifests in Jesus' own ministry, how it shows up. Chapter 10, verse 46. So then they came to Jericho, by the way, them is this kind of uh, Jesus and his followers. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, okay, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging, okay? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth going by, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many in the crowd rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So, then called, so they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing aside his cloak, he jumped to his feet and he ran to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. There's a lot of seeing happening in this passage of scripture. There's a lot of God-empowered seeing in this passage of scripture. And um, I think you'll probably be with me when you're gonna say, yeah, yeah, I get it. Bartimaeus, right? He was blind. And then Jesus said, you know, you're healed. And he was healed. But I want you to notice the story of what's happening Jesus has been teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, and he's getting a following, and people are, he's a spectacle, you see? He's like a road show. And when he comes to town, there's all this fervor, there's this noise, and everyone's looking here, looking here. And as a matter of fact, what's amazing about this story about a person in the Bible is Bartimaeus is named. Somebody knew his name well enough to, they didn't say a blind beggar was by the road. They said Bartimaeus was by the road. You know, the blind beggar. So what's amazing is that as the story is written, as the gospel is recorded for us, that the people knew Bartimaeus. You see, they saw Bartimaeus, sort of. Maybe like some of you saw each other today. Do you know know that so-and-so was at service today? Oh, yeah, I saw him there. Did you see him? They saw Bartimaeus too. Yep, that's old blind Bartimaeus. Anyway, Jesus is coming. Hey, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Bartimaeus is over here in the corner, right? He's hanging out. Everybody's, look at Jesus. Jesus is leaving town. Quick, hurry up. You know, the paparazzi, this is all this action and activity happening and there's this guy and this is what's happening because they saw, but not with kingdom eyes, Bartimaeus. They saw him, sort of. Somebody else is seeing in this passage. And it's Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus is over there, and he's been begging in the same spot so long that everyone knows it's Bartimaeus. Oh, is he ever going to get up and do something? He's just begging and begging and begging. But he begins to hear in the fervor of the crowd that the Messiah is passing by, that Jesus, the one who claims to be the Son of God, the Son of David, the living promise, the heir to the throne, all-powerful and mighty is passing by. And Bartimaeus, unlike the people clamoring around him going, hey, this is cool, we're with Jesus, you know, like the shirts, were with the band, you know, I mean, the disciples Can you see they're like, I'm with with homeboy shirts. I don't know what that would be, you know, the inner circle. I want you to see these kind of circles around Jesus. Here's Jesus, and here's the disciples, and they're just so excited to be around him. And here's the crowd, and they're excited to be around the whole thing because people are getting healed, and it's fun, and it's cool and stuff. And here's this blind beggar, and he's way on the outside. (laughs) But he hears the gospel. You see... Bartimaeus sees something besides just another opportunity for some noise. Bartimaeus sees an opportunity to receive, what does it say in the Bible? Mercy from God. It's more than just something to do for a while, a fad or a click or something cool. Bartimaeus knows his condition. He knows his hopelessness. He knows his brokenness. And from the side of the road, with all the noise and all the clamor, he starts to scream at the top of his lungs, Son of David, have mercy on me. This kind of desperation for God is uncomfortable for cool kids. Because we think we got it together, you know? I mean, nobody else in the crowd is screaming, Son of David, have mercy on me. They're kind of there on their own terms. So here's Bartimaeus, and he sees an opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get mercy directly from God, the promiser. And he cries out. And we know the story, And I mean, but the people are like, Jesus is talking because they don't see what's about to happen. I'll tell you, somebody else is seeing something in this passage, and it's Jesus himself. It's no accident that Jesus, in the middle of this encounter, stops. I mean, who would have faulted him if he'd have kept going? There was a lot of people that wanted a lot of things. There were so many people, we're talking about later in the series, so many people coming to Jesus for healing that they, they, they couldn't even get in anymore. There was no room by Jesus. But Jesus sees a kingdom moment. Now, you'll go, okay, he's the son of God. Of course he does. Listen, Jesus sees kingdom moments all the time still today, all the time. I don't know where you are in your your life. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. But if you think you're way on the outside and that God isn't paying attention because the noise and the crowds are passing you by, cry out because Jesus is still looking for kingdom moments. So in the middle of this fervor, I want you to see what happens. In the middle of this fervor, This scene, Jesus stops and he says to those following him, call him. The words are significant, call him. The one yelling for me, that's the one I want. The one desperate for healing, that's the one I want. And they stop. And they make a way, and Bartimaeus takes off his coat. I said he ran. That's not in the scriptures. It says he went to Jesus. I think he went quickly, <laughs> you know, because if you're calling for mercy and God says, hey, come here a minute, I'm going to run to the mercy. I'm going to get there in a hurry. And so, so Bartimaeus gets to Jesus, and Jesus asks one question. What do you want? And of all the things in all the world, Bartimaeus says, I just want to see now. He's standing in a crowd of people who can all see. They could see their whole life. But they could never see what God was doing. They just couldn't see it. The disciples, they couldn't see it. But Bartimaeus saw it. And he said, Lord, I just want to see. We know the rest of the story. Then we have a real story about vision. Because in that moment, Jesus says, well, then see. See. And Bartimaeus' eyes are opened. Whew. You see, God empowers that. God empowers us to see. I want you to look at the very last words that are recorded there. It says, upon receiving his sight, he followed Jesus along the road. I bet he did. I bet he did he began to follow the one who had cured him of his perpetual blindness. This is our story, church. If you've had this experience with God where he has healed you, you have been desperate, and he has reached in and and sovereignly rearranged your stuff to see his work, you're going to follow him. And Bartimaeus did. He did. Here's my question. What would you have seen that day? Jesus was passing by? Would you have seen an opportunity to kind of do something for, you know, get, get in the scene? Would you have stood back and kind of examined it? And that's what I would have probably done, thought about it. What are the implications of this Messiah thing? What would you have seen? Or would you have been like Bartimaeus? Would you have seen an opportunity to have God sovereignly intervene in your life? I don't think it's in our life that God's too little. I think it's that we think too little of God. Let me ask you this question. What do you see now in your life? As you travel along the road, what do you see around you? When you're on your way, I mean, do we we have the eyes of Jesus to see a Bartimaeus looking for a kingdom moment? Do we have any realization of what God's doing all around us? Here's another question. Do you or I really want to see? Do you really? Are are we happy to be those who are ever seeing but never perceiving? Are we ones who will say, God, I want to see it? Because I'll tell you the truth. I think that God answers that prayer. I think if you want to see the kingdom work of God, you just say, God, today, give me eyes to see the work you're doing, and he will show you what he is doing. He will show you on the way. All the work that's happening all around you that you have never seen before. He will give you eyes to see. Sort of move from seeing, because this is the first step in this, to move from seeing what God is doing around us to a second thing that, that God does in our lives when we begin to see the work that's happening. So, so uh, uh, the, the second thing, thought is this that in our lives, God stirs compassion. God stirs compassion. Within us. Now, we're going to talk about compassion a little bit, but I really want you to see this, and we're going to turn again to the Gospel of Matthew. This is going to be another story, not Bartimaeus, another story of a healing, right, as Jesus is going along the road. And it'll sound familiar, but there's one, uh, there's one significant difference I want to talk about. Matthew 20. I went the wrong way in my Bible. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. Uh, verses 29 through 34, page 685. If you didn't bring a Bible, you have one of ours. So here's a, here's a story from the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Same kind of a scene, get it? Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they only shouted all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do for you? Again, listen to the same question. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. We want to see. And Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Look at the last three words, and followed him. Same story, right? Two guys on the side of the road. They're both blind. They both start to cry out to God. There's one difference in this narrative that I really want to talk about, and that's compassion. It says that when Jesus saw the two blind guys, just like when he saw Bartimaeus, he he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion for them. And this is one of those things I was like, man, I want to, you know, I, I've, we talked about this before a little bit, but I want to dig into this a little bit. What does this look like? What, what is it significant? Jesus was moved to compassion when he heard them. What is it about someone crying out for the mercy of God that just gets Jesus bound up, you know, just gets him going? It, get, it, it, it you know, gets him, what, passionate or concerned or willing or whatever that is? I'll tell you something that's interesting about this. Um, almost every time Jesus was about to do a miracle, a healing miracle, he was stirred with compassion. He was stirred with compassion. So here, here's, uh, here's the Greek. I want to share this with you. Now, I want you to see this word with me. I, I want you for a moment to feel the burden of what, it, what, it, what it's like to prepare a sermon and if this word doesn't give you a feeling of what a burden it is, I'm not sure what will. <laughs> Look at that word. There, there's more letters than we have in our alphabet in that word, isn't there? Look at that thing. Who can pronounce that word? Anybody? Huh? Splaggy, nose-eye. Come on, you can try, right? Listen, this word, I'm like, are you serious? This is compassion in the Bible. This is what it says. It's Splunk needs oh my Ready you want to say it with me Splunk needs oh my Let's Go Splunk needs oh my You're going to try it again ready It's Splunk Oh I'm going to go back to it in a minute It goes Splunk needs oh my Splunk needs oh my Try it one time ready Splunk needs oh my Now why am I having you say that over and over again Because it's Greek and it's funny That's why I'm having you do it that's why. You know why? Because it's splunk. Splunk. You know what I mean? When Jesus would see these people crying out for mercy, he would splunk. I want you to remember that. Because you know what splonk needs, oh my, means in Greek? So something's actually happening. Oh, thank you. Something, did you do that? No. <laughs> All right, thank you, Lord. Uh, So he was moved in his his bowels. I'm not making this up. That's what the Greek says. It says that whenever he would see someone in that condition and crying out for the mercy of God, Jesus would get sick to his stomach about it. He would splunk needs, oh my. He would get compassionate. You know, another way we can say compassion is suffering with. Upset about, or, or would would get gut sick about, was lost people, right? And I, I that word sometimes has maybe lost some of its meaning, or whatever, in our in our day and age, you know. You say, oh. But Jesus knew then, not just now, that there are people who are just lost and hopeless and far from God. And and when he would see them, he would have compassion. Listen to the list of things that Jesus was, you know, gut sick about. He was gut sick about the lost. He was gut sick about the sick people. He was gut sick about hungry people. Listen to this one, folks. He was gut sick about people who were in debt so deeply that they couldn't ever get out of it. Does that sound familiar at all? He would get sick to his stomach about people who owed debts they could not pay. He was gut sick about blind people. He was gut sick about people who were unclean. That the world would look at and say, you can't touch them, you can't hang out with them. This made Jesus sick to his stomach when he saw it. He was gut sick about people who would hurt themselves to feel something. He was gut sick about people who had experienced loss so profound that they were inconsolable, those who were mourning. And the last one I want to share is that Jesus was gut sick about prodigals when they would turn home he was compassionate toward them whenever someone would do what isaiah the prophet said and hear and see and turn from their sin and be healed that got jesus excited so here's the question for this stirring God's compassion in us, if he gives us eyes to see, he'll begin to stir a compassion in our stomachs. And my question for you is, when was the last time that you were out on the road, on the way, and God made you sick to your stomach about something that you saw? Have you had that experience at all? Have you been just, you know, you're doing your normal thing, you're, you're, you're living your life, and then you see something, and, and in that moment, you, 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 you feel it. You have compassion. I want to encourage you, if you have that at all, if you have that experience at all, that that is a God thing, that God's kingdom work is happening when you get sick to your stomach about a condition of someone else that you saw. I wonder last time that uh, you were devastated, personally devastated, because of a condition of a fellow human being, a brother or sister. See, this is that step along the road to getting involved in kingdom work. Here's the last thing we're going to talk about today. So we have God empowering us to see. We have God stirring our compassion in us. And then we have this. We have God shaping our heart to respond, right? He shapes our heart for response. And I'm going to turn with you to the Gospel of John. It's just a couple books back from Matthew. Matthew. John chapter, uh, what is it, 11, verses 32 through 40. And I want to read this little brief passage, and then we're going to talk about it just for a second. Because this is the third kind of component of this, having eyes to see and a heart to respond to the kingdom work that God is doing around us. You'll know this is part of a bigger story. We're just going to read a little section of it here. In verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was was and saw him, saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So then Jesus, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, Jesus asked. Come and see, Lord, they all replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how much he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this guy from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Remove the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha protested, By this time there is a bad odor because he has been there for four days. And then Jesus replied, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So here we have Jesus after having healed blind people, even given them eyes to see, having had compassion and been moved, been gut-wrenched over the condition that we were in as humans, far from God. We have Jesus showing up at at the death of one of his best friends, someone he really, really loved. And in this place, uh, we have this encounter with Mary and Martha, the sisters of the dead man. And the thing that stood out to me and that, that I want to talk about was that in this place twice, we'll see it once in uh, 30, where's that, deeply moved in spirit, 33, Jesus said, it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, right, when he saw them weeping. And then again in 38, after they said, couldn't you have done something, Jesus was deeply moved and went to the tomb. And, and I'm just going to flash this one on the screen. We won't work on it as hard as the splunk needs on my. But this is another Greek word, and it's not the same word as you can tell. You can tell that much, right? And this word is a little different because it says that in this encounter, Jesus was kind of aggravated. It means to snort with, with you know fury or with anger. You snort with anger, and you think, oh, Jesus only got angry once. I was in the temple when I did the house of prayer. But there's a brokenness being demonstrated in this humanity that's just – just, you know, shapes his response. And in the same way, you and I might feel that, feel that passion to respond. By the way, this moving of God's spirit in Jesus is again always around a miracle. Before or after a miracle, he has this indignation, this snorting anger about the way the world is. And that, that compassion can lead you to that place of frustration and of pent up, being pent up about something. But here's what's interesting. And this is what I want to st- stop with today. Is that we pray for eyes to see and God lets us see. And then we see it and we're sick about it. We're like, oh, that's terrible. And I can't sleep right anymore. And I can't eat anymore. And I don't know what to do about it. And I gotta do something. And then we begin to get indignant about the brokenness of the world and frustrated. And attention begins to build. A heart for response begins to be developed. And God begins to draw out in you and me. And I don't know if you've experienced this yet or not, but I pray that you will. God will begin to draw in you attention in your heart that will demand a response. That will demand Something be done. And this is God working in your life, shaping your heart to respond to the work that he is doing among us. You will stand by and you will begin to get the passion to do something, to do something. So my question is, have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had the experience that you've seen it, and you're sick about it, and then you want to do something? And and there's this tendency we have, and this is kind of the last thing, but there's this tendency we have to to want to, to hurry up and do something quick, especially in our society. You know, like, right away, hurry up fast, do something. Quick, somebody has to solve something. Get a Band-Aid, and it needs surgery, right? I mean, get anybody that needs an expert. You know what I mean? But I want to show you something. This is going to be a little visual here, and I need a couple of volunteers. Who wants to volunteer for me this morning? Anybody? Anybody? Thanks, Jake. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Hey, all right, Wes. Wes and Jake. Jake, can you come up for me? This is up your alley. I'm just kidding. Jake didn't volunteer, but I volunteered him. Because I want to show you a little visual. See, You've seen these things before. Jake, you're familiar with this kind of stuff, aren't you? No, oh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Jake and I work out together every Tuesday morning. All right, here we go. And, and this, you see. And I want you guys, let's go down here where it's less dangerous and there's less stuff to break. And then you guys stand this way, sideways, okay? And you're going to be like God, okay? And I just want to show you. you. guys come over here. I need a third volunteer who's going to stand in front of this thing. No, I'm kidding. Nobody's going to stand in front of it. You guys are like, What? So this is what happens, because see, we see something that needs to be done, and our first thought is, do something right now, hurry up, and if we can do it, if we do it too soon, like we just saw this need, and we just start to just, you're going to make something up and just wing it, there's no power. And what I've experienced in my walk with Jesus Christ is that he'll just let you look at it for a while, and he'll just let it build. How many of you are nervous right now for my safety? Come on, you guys should be a little nervous for my safety. We didn't rehearse this at all. Listen, God will begin to build a tension in your heart, a passion to do something. You'll begin to be burdened, and you'll begin to be like Bartimaeus on the side of the road, and you'll cry out, Jesus, have mercy on your people. Do something about this. I want you to wait here with me. I want you to wait, thank you guys, in that place of tension with God. I want you to stand with eyes to see the brokenness of the world and long, not for your solution because I got bad news for you, church. Your solution is going to be inadequate. You're going to think it's a good idea, but it's not going to be enough. And I want you to stand there and wait upon the sovereign God of the universe to come and to do something. But here's the caveat. I'll be part of it. God... Let's do something together. Who will I send? Like, send me. Who's going to get in that thing? Who's going to get in that slingshot? Who's going to let God build this tension? Send me. The family challenge for this week is this there's three clear steps we can take. If you want to be part of the kingdom work that God is doing in the world, there's three clear steps you can take to do this. And the first is to pray. I mean, to observe, sorry, to observe. To just ask God to have eyes to see. That's prayer too, right? But to pray that God would give you eyes to see. You remember Paul on the road, the scales fell off. And for the first time in his whole life, he could see what God was doing. We can ask God for that. I pray you would join me in asking God. That's the first challenge. The second challenge is to pray about what he shows you. Prayer is nothing more than a conversation with God. And whenever he shows you something on the side of the road, instead of doing that knee jerk, I'm going to fix it right now, superhero thing. Let's just talk to God. What does this mean? What are you doing here? Where is your work in this? And then the third thing I'm going to ask you to do with me for at least this week and next is to wait. This is very practical, by the way. This isn't theoretical Christianity. This isn't put it in your notes and take it home and file it away. I want you to live this with me this week. I want you to ask God, God, give us eyes to see what you're doing all around us. And I want you to pray about it when you see it. When he shows you, he will show you what he's doing. I want you to say, now what are we supposed to do, God? What are you doing here? How is this working? And then I want us to wait to stand fast in Christ and his salvation. Just stand with him and say, you're going to bring a solution that's so much better than ours. I hope you'll take this challenge with me. I'm going to ask you right now if you would join me in prayer. Father God, your word is so profound. It's so un believably true for our lives it's so forming us into your people and and today father i pray that more than anything else you know first that we we've experienced your presence in some way that we've come to know you in a way that maybe we didn't before come come to see you as a healer in a way that we didn't understand before and father god We ask that you would use us this week, that if we have those eyes that can't see, you know, if we're blinded to the truth of the gospel, the first thing we have to know is that you had died. You died to save us, to give us eyes to see. And so today, Father God, if there's folks here who don't know you as Savior, I pray that you would show them your salvation, that they would know your love because we can't adequately express the work you've done in our lives, the mercy you've shown to us. Father, show them your mercy. And then, Father, for those of us who know you, I pray we would want those eyes to see the kingdom work. And I know it comes with burdens. I know it's scary, Father. It's scary for me to want to see it. But I want to be part of what you are doing. And I don't want to be part of the other stuff, the noise and the clamor. I want to show up where you are working so that I can can bring glory to you, that I can be amazed by you. I can get beyond myself. So, Father, that's our prayer today as a church. You'll give us eyes to see the work you're doing. This has been an incredible time with you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for it. We thank you for the work your Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. We pray we'll be more obedient each day. Do your will and have your way. May we just bring you glory, we ask, in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.